This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles that's been outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories available online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. And you can also sign up for their e-rider newsletter. It's free and I highly recommend it. That's www.maxbmw.com. A really important part of your motorcycle suspension is damping. And if you didn't have it, you'd be bouncing down the road, literally. And get this, your model likely has a damping setting that you're supposed to adjust. You probably saw the manual and decided to ignore it. But the question is, what the heck is damping? How on earth do I adjust it? And man, do I really need to know this? Well, all the answers are on this episode. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made, heavy-duty, innovative luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. Turn any bag into motorcycle luggage with this unique strapping system that's easy to use and switch from one bike to another. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is all tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse of adventure riding, which has gained them a top reputation for tough, reliable gear. www.greenchiliadv.com. That's www.greenchiliadv.com. Hi, I'm Sam Manicum. Nick Sanders. Terry Borden. Sandy Borden. Jack Borden. Graham Field. Austin Vince. Jason Spafford. Lisa Murray. David Peterson. Rachel. Ed March. Glenn Hedstead. Dr. Gregor W. Fraser. Dave Barr. Michelle Lampier. Tiffany Coates. Herbert Schmuck. Zoe Cannell. Nathan Millward. Graham Hoskins. Joe Ross. Jeremy Craker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Simon Pavey. Grant Johnson. Robert Wick. Said Simon. Elizabeth Martin. Carol DeBell. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Products is home of the Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire and Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. It's made in the USA, and it comes with a lifetime warranty. And Motorcycle Consumer News Magazine just chose the Cycle Pump as their top pick in a compressor shakedown. Also, Best Rest is a North American distributor for Googletech filters, the filters that should be on your bike. Visit them at www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. Motorcycles, like most things, are made in factories nowadays to take advantage of the economies of scale. Now, mass production enables the companies to use sophisticated equipment and and techniques that would be unaffordable on a smaller level. But that mass assembly and technology comes at a price. And that price is the cookie cutter style of building. One size fits all. When it comes to motorcycle suspension, that cookie cutter process, well, it just doesn't cut it. Now, let's look at cars, for instance. Cars are much larger and heavier than motorcycles, not to mention they have four wheels. So a few pounds difference from one driver to the next, or a few groceries thrown in, or a passenger, it's hardly noticeable to the car's handling. But for a motorcycle, with only two wheels, and a maximum payload of maybe a rider, a pillion, and a bag of Doritos, well, now you have a suspension system that acts a little different with every couple of pounds or kilograms you add. But another fly in the ointment, so to speak, 
is the fact that the manufacturers must use some weight parameters from, well, let me just say skinny riders. Could be they're telling us something here. But the fact is, most factory suspension systems are just not designed to handle the loads we carry. In particular, if we travel anywhere. Now, on many bikes, the manufacturers' economies of scale, sort of governed by their desire to make a profit, have allowed for very few adjustments on the suspension. One that you'll find on most every bike is the spring preload adjustment. Uh, That sets your sag. And the other one, maybe there's one rebound adjustment. That's it. Today, we're only going to talk about damping on shocks. So that's controlling the bounce with a shock. And that doesn't mean you can forget about your your suspension sag. That needs to be set up. In fact, it's quite the opposite. You absolutely have to have your suspension sag set up with the correct spring size on your bike before you can start dealing with damping. So we've done episodes before on suspension. We did cover setting your sag. If you want to drop by our website, click in the search field, enter the word suspension. You'll bring up the other episodes that we've done or just search the internet because there's loads of instructions and videos and write-ups on setting your sag. It's a fairly simple process and something you'd need to do. Today, we're talking about damping, the valving and the shocks and forks that do oh so much for our safety. We'll get to that. Now, Max McAllister is a suspension specialist and the owner of a company called Traction Dynamics. He's located in Woodstock, Georgia. Max has been in the motorcycle industry for 25 years, maybe just over, and has spent that time learning on racetracks and all about suspension systems. In fact, Traction Dynamics not only install suspension systems, but they manufacture them on site. Hello, it's uh, Max McAllister. I'm uh, president of Traction Dynamics Incorporated in Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, We are a suspension specialty company that services and upgrades motorcycles and mountain bike suspension systems. Max, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. I'm glad to be here. Well, I should say welcome back. It's been a while, but we had you on here some time ago. We did a fairly extensive piece on suspension. Yeah, I recall it was um, it was pretty extensive, as a matter of fact. And let's let's first of all, before we we jump into this traction dynamics, what do you do there mainly? Uh, I have a great staff of people that pretty much take care of all the day to day functions of the business, and I'm I I play manager for the most part. So years ago, I handed the reins over of the hands on work to my lead technician, uh, Martin Musil, and uh, he's. Uh, run with the ball as far as handling um, all of the build and service work that happens here. Uh, and I, like I say, I've got a great staff around the building from for the you know even the products we manufacture here. You know, so we go from raw material to retail retail sale out the you know on installed on a bike out the other end of the building. Uh, so it's a kind of a unique business in in that aspect. And you're not just so, doing motorcycles; you're doing mountain bikes or bicycles as well. Yeah, we're servicing mountain bikes, actually. Yeah, we, uh, uh, several of my guys here and I are all cyclists. So for us, it was no stretch at all to take on mountain bike suspension service because we're, we're, we're just set up to do it. So that's actually starting to really take off for us. Um, and we're not manufacturing anything for the mountain bike market at present. Uh, and we have no intentions to, but there is massive quantities of products in the field that needs require service so we're filling some of that void you say you go from raw materials to product out the door you're actually building shocks 
uh, we literally make um, our AK-20 fork cartridge kit, which is what our company's most famous for. We manufacture that virtually 100% completely in my in my building. So raw material truck comes in one door, and we install our four cartridge kit in your motorcycle, and you drive away at the other end of the building. So it's a very unique business model. I, I own the machinery, the machinists, or so we have a very high tech uh, machining center here um, with four CNC machines running, and. Um, they make everything we need uh, except for springs. So uh, springs are a – actually, they're, it's, a, it's a standalone business. It takes a building full of machines to make one spring. So we have vendors, American vendors, that we source our springs from that are made to our specifications. And, uh, and we couple that with the cartridge kits we build here. Um, and then primarily we work – Work, we work with a couple of companies for rear shocks, but uh, Penske is the company we work with um, for the most part, and we're the world's largest Penske shock retailer. Well, we're talking today about compression and rebound, but I'm sort of thinking before we dive into this and get too deep into some technicals, maybe we should just sort of touch on, like, why do we have suspension on a motorcycle? Uh, so our, our primary goal is to make sure that the wheels stay in contact with the ground at all times. So without it, if we could ride, you know, a completely rigid motorcycle, uh, every time you hit a bump, there would be an, an, uh, a resultant loss of traction at some point where the tire becomes disconnected from the ground, typically on the backside of the bump. So that's, uh, you know, primary goal of a suspension system is to keep the wheels in contact with the ground. Uh, second, and uh, probably equally as important to the rider, is it provides uh, comfort um, from the irregularities in the road. So basically with a motorcycle, we're looking at some sort of swing arm or, or forks that move up and down. There's a spring there that holds the weight, and then we've got the dampening system inside. Would that be safe to say? Yes. Okay. So that's I want to drop a footnote here before we get too far into this topic of damping. Um, setting up your sag and your spring preload on your motorcycle is important to do before you worry about damping. But we're just going to talk about damping to understand it because it's a lesser understood topic than spring preload. Spring preload tends to be kind of obvious to you. You know, you add some more weight to your bike, it sinks down further, and you know you've got that little knob in your suspension where you can crank it up to counteract that. That needs to be set up properly before you move into damping. This is all about sort of understanding damping, and then we're going to talk about adjusting damping for your ride. So just keep in mind, do that ahead of time. Now, there's all kinds of places on the internet you can find information about how to set up your preload, how to set your sag on your motorcycle. We've also done some episodes on Adventure Rider Radio. Drop by the website. On the right-hand side, there's a search column. Just click on that and type suspension. You'll bring up those episodes where we've done other suspension topics, including setting up your preload. When we're talking about valving, why do we have any sort of valves in our suspension? And is it in the front and back? Uh, yes. The damping is there to control the motion of the wheel. So we come up with some way for the wheel to move up and down over irregularities in the road. And so that's your swing arm or that's the telescoping action of the front fork on your motorcycle. And uh, then it's suspended on a spring. So for our conversation today, we're going to just pretend that we all have the correct selected springs that um, 
that are the appropriate spring rate for the fictitious motorcycle we're riding at the moment. And uh, correct spring in just a, a simple sentence is going to be one that uh, supports your body weight, uh, resists spotting, and also is and has a proper amount of preload on it so that the bike sags to a, uh, a proper height and then isn't over preloaded or under preloaded. So it'll have a, a plush, comfortable ride at the top end of the stroke, but will resist bottoming um, over large hits or uh, G out depression type events in the road. So we're just going to assume our bike has that those springs. Then after that, um, if you've ever ridden in a truck or seen a car or truck going down the road with a blown shock, if you've ever seen the wheel just wildly bouncing up and down out of control, that's that's a wheel with no damping force at all controlling it. And so what the damper or the shock absorber is there to do, it's actually there to control the, the movement of the wheel and dampen the vibration of the spring. Uh, a quick note there is, uh, so damping is the, is the word there's a, people are always uh, having a debate, but it, you say damping or dampening. Uh, so dampening is actually means making something moist or wet. And, uh, damping is, uh, is the word for controlling a, a shock absorber or reducing a wave form. Good to know. I'm going to try and keep that in mind while we're talking. About this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little common misnomer and people do it all the time. I mean, even suspension guys will say dampening. So it's a, it happens. It's no big deal. Uh, you know, it, when you mentioned about seeing a vehicle go down the road and watching the wheel bounce up and down, I think a more common one that people recognize readily is, you know, maybe in a movie you've seen it, the vehicle go down the road and it bounces up and down. And I think often we think that that's what suspension or damping is doing with our suspension is stopping the whole car from bouncing up and down as it goes down the road. Uh, you know, that's fair to say, you know, a, uh, in an ideal suspension system, uh, the wheels are moving up and down as they're required to follow the pavement. And then the actual car, the cabin of the car, or in this case, the, uh, the saddle of the motorcycle and the steering head, the handlebars, the parts you're holding onto, that part's all steady. It shouldn't be moving. It should be steady, but the wheels move underneath the vehicle as they encounter irregularities in the road. And uh, it's also important to note that um, a proper functioning suspension system isn't there to just ride up and over a bump. It's It also needs to be able to drop out and downward underneath from the vehicle, out from the bottom of the vehicle to drop down into depressions. Again, the goal is to keep the wheels on the ground at all times. And uh, so bumps are not the only thing you'll encounter on the road. So uh, that's important. So really, we're looking at two things. One, we're looking at trying to keep the wheels on the road, which gives us our control. And the other one, I guess, would be some form of comfort for us as well. Absolutely. Okay, so talking about the, the vehicles bouncing up and down, I mean, if you think of a, a pogo stick, a pogo stick is basically just a spring on a post and you bounce up and down on it and you actually want that rebound to bounce you up in the air so you can lift up for the next bounce as you go along. Clearly, as you've said here, we don't want that with a motorcycle. We want the wheel to stay on the road. So we've got to control that spring action of it bouncing up and down. That's where valving comes in. Yeah, so that's the, that's actually your, that's a great analogy. And let's call it a damper for this. To, before you get specifically to uh, valving, there's there's been a couple of ways that they've you know, created damping over time. Um, but 
the, the very first and crudest and simplest way is to just push oil through a hole. And uh, so that type of damping is um, it, is fixed effectively, and it generates only one damping curve, and it's uh, one that creates uh, an exponential amount of damping force the faster you move the oil through the hole. Okay, so just before like you sort off. of glaze over, and if you don't get this kind of stuff, I'm going to try and give you the simple version of it. Basically, what Max is talking about is, is something along the lines of this. If you took a, a plunger, like a toilet plunger, and you punctured some holes in it, and then put it inside a tube where the plunger just fits inside the tube. Now, fill that with oil or liquid of any sort, and you can imagine that as you try and pull that plunger up and down in the tube, the water or oil, whatever it is, is going to be forced through the hole as the plunger goes back and forth. This is very simplified, but I'm just trying to get you to understand if you don't follow the, the detailed concepts of what he's talking about. So basically, we're talking about oil squirting through holes, and that's a dampening effect. So at low speed, low velocity as the oil moves through the hole, it will have little or no effect. But the faster you try and force oil through a hole, the greater the effect becomes exponentially. So uh, now that can be called a that can be a piston, you know, or or a rod with a hole in it. And so uh, valving as a term in the suspension world is kind of a slang term for uh, deflective metal discs which cover a hole or a piston, all right? So they're very analogous to a reed valve in a two-stroke engine. So um, if you imagined a hole with, with a flap over it, that's effectively what valving is, but uh, the flap is spring-loaded, it's, so it's resisting opening. So as you uh, try and force oil th through the hole, it will crack that that flap open and uh, the flap is trying to resist the oil from passing through the hole. Okay, I'm just going to jump in here for just so, a minute. Make sure you're following along. So if you go back to the plunger analogy, we've got the plunger in the tube. The plunger has the holes drilled in it. If you put a disc over the plunger, now the disc, of course, would have to be cone-shaped to match the, the plunger shape. And just, you know, let's uh, suspend disbelief for a moment. So then when you push the plunger down, the oil comes up through the hole, hits the disc, and the disc sort of stops the oil from coming through or tries to prevent it. And the disc flecks some as the oil forces up and, and around. Uh, the way that evolved um, in older-style forks or economy-style motorcycles, lower-end motorcycles, have a device in them called a damper rod. And um, that damper rod is kind of a trumpet-shaped device with some holes in the bottom of it. Those holes are what control compression damping in a, that style of fork. So the only way you could modify those types of forks are if you make the holes in the damper rod small, you'll have a firm feeling to the rider but those small holes are not effective at soaking sharp bumps. So when you try and quickly force oil through the holes, they resist, they hydraulically lock. So if you want the damper rod style fork to soak bumps really effectively, you make the holes bigger. Now, once those holes are really big, then the bike is just loose, floaty, and wallowy, and uh, doesn't have any feeling of control. So that's kind of where the advent of the cartridge fork came from. So now they, in that design, they have a piston in it with big holes, theoretically, big holes designed for soaking bumps. 
And then to give you restore that control feeling, they put these um, deflectives, these springy discs. Um, so it looks like a washer, but it's very thin, and it's um, made of a, a very special kind of material that's that's uh, springy effectively. And uh, so it def it's held in the center and then deflects conically as oil is forced through the piston. And then there's, you know, I'm acting, I'm stating that there's one, but there's actually many of these discs made in a stack. Um, and they collectively work to create a new damping curve. And uh, so from the tuner standpoint, we work with changing the thickness and the shape of the stack to get different effects um, to how we want the damper to perform. So with that style, you're able to get firm controlled low speed damping which is what the rider feels and that gives you your sense of control and yet when you hit a sharp bump and the wheel has to move fast um, you can tune the high speed damping to control the wheel over those type of events uh, separately okay so it sounds like basically we're dealing with the two different things the low speed and high speed we're not talking about vehicle speed we're talking about suspension movement the, the suspension going up and down so a low speed would yes. be your milder bumps that you're going over and the high speed one might be going over a, a sharp uh, edge or a rock or pothole, some pothole something like that. So, yep. and those two require two different valving scenarios. And this is why we have to get into this complicated valving system of the low and the high speed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and, and you're saying that's handled with the cartridge fork. So we have damping in some shocks with both compression and rebound. Can you talk about that? Uh, yes. So, um, for the most part, the crudest dampers will have rebound damping only, and that's kind of the thing most people get. So they get the idea that they, their wheel hits a bump, it moves upward, and something needs to control it on the way that when it returns to its you know standard position, let's call it. And that's the rebound damping. So uh, th these are just the way they sound. Compression damping will be your wheel moving upward, you know, the damper compressing and rebound is the extension or, or, or the actual bounce back of the, of the wheel after the spring has been compressed and pressure has been generated. It's so let's look at just rebound first. So without rebound damping, the, the, uh, wheel will extend rapidly back to, you know, as the spring releases the pressure that's been built up in it. And, uh, then that starts typically starts an oscillation of some sort. What rebound damping is there, let's talk about first, you know, we, we want the wheel to just move up over a bump as quickly as possible, return back to its neutral position in just one motion without anything else happening. No, no other vibrations or bouncing or ringing or dampening happening unnecessary. We want one single quick return so that it's then ready to do its job at the next irregularity it encounters in the pavement. Now, compression damping is there to assist the spring, and it, it can be used for, um, again, multiple things. So if you were to come down the road and hit a sharp bump in the road, um, and it sends the wheel you know, rocketing upward, Without compression damping, it can cause the wheel to uh, move a much greater distance upward, and that will build a much higher level of spring pressure, 
which then results in a much faster um, return of the wheel to its neutral position, let's call it. So that's inertia, right? I mean, we're talking about that heavy weight getting set in motion, flying upward, and with nothing to or little to slow it, it just keeps going uh, and compressing that spring until it gets to the point where the spring forces it back down and has the same effect in the opposite direction. Right. So now the advantage of using compression damping to assist in that in that scenario is without it, say a wheel moves up two inches. Now we've built up two inches of spring pressure, two units of spring pressure. So that takes X amount of rebound damping to control the extension movement of the wheel. If we use compression damping to assist it and the wheel only moved up an inch, now we need, you know, for just purposes of conversation, half as much rebound damping to control the wheel returning. So since the uh, damping forces are, you know, generate heat, anything we can do to minimize the amount of damping that's required will let the shock run cooler and, uh, and generally function more effectively. Uh, and then again, it's important to... So what Max is telling us here says a lot about our suspension system. First, we want to talk about the weight of the wheel moving upward. Now, we got to talk about Newton's first law of motion here. Uh, and to paraphrase, a stationary object tends to want to stay stationary unless an external force is applied. Objects in motion tend to want to stay in motion and resist any change in speed or direction, again, until or unless external forces are applied. Now, I mean, obviously gravity and resistance would have an effect, but we're going to just set that aside for now. Now, for example here, the wheel moving is the object moving forward. It hits a bump. That's the external force. That bump sets the wheel in motion, moving upward, collapsing the fork tubes. Now, while inertia wants to keep the wheel moving upward, there's an external force applied here. That's the springs and the forks. And that external force increases until it overcomes the upward inertia generated by the wheel hitting the bump. At this point, the spring pressure now forces the wheel back down. Again, inertia develops, and the wheel wants to continue moving downward until an external force is applied, which is, in this case, the weight of the motorcycle. Now, remember that in both directions, inertia pushed against and resisted the external force. Uh, that would be the spring um, going upward and the weight of the bike coming downward until it was overcome, almost like a, a pendulum swinging one way until gravity finally pulls it back down, only to have it fly back in the opposite direction, roughly the same amount, and then continue the process. Well, imagine the wheel as that pendulum and how much back and forth there would be without some kind of damping. I'm sure you've seen a car go down the road, hit a bump, and just continue bumping up and down, bouncing on the spring because it has no damping. The damping regulates the speed and movement of the wheel going up and down, and in doing so, a properly set up suspension should keep the wheel in contact with the ground and produce a stabilized ride. Now, another function of the suspension is to stabilize the platform, the platform being the frame and main parts of the motorcycle. And the way Max explains it, uh, every rider has experienced pulling the front brakes on, having the front forks dive, and when you throttle it hard, having the rear of the bike stand up on acceleration. Those movements are also controlled with damping. So you see how important damping is to just riding it down the road. So if you were to eliminate all compression damping, um, now it's going to move upward as quickly as it possibly as it wants to when it hits a bump. Now it's going to have a much higher return velocity. That's harder to control. 
So if we can control the upward movement, we reduce the amount of velocity it's going to try and return with. Everything's more controlled. Everything is easier to control when we keep the velocities down. So in what you're saying there then, um, to that analogy then, I guess low-speed dampening would be easier to tune than high-speed dampening? Uh, that's fair to say, yes. Uh, because um, low-speed dampening, we're really tuning what is uh, – you know, the platform is kind of a, an industry term, but the, the rider sensation, the movements of the, the general chassis, whereas um, uh, high-speed damping is definitely tuned much more based on the environment that the vehicle will be functioning in. So tuning high-speed damping on a dirt bike is, you know, much different than tuning damping on uh, a bike that will only ride on pavement for all of its life. As far as feel goes for the average rider, let's say you walk into a showroom and you, you check out a bike and you, you happen to push down on one suspension of a bike and it feels really plush, whereas another bike feels kind of stiff. What, what kind of things does that tell us as a rider? I mean, what are we experiencing there? Well, so probably one of the single biggest misconceptions about suspension is that any change, most people consider any change to suspension is, is going to be for like competition or racing use or high performance use or somebody pushing the bike past its, you know, typical intended design limits. And that's just not true at all. Um, second misconception is that uh, the, you know, any type of upgraded suspension is going to be stiffer and stiffer it immediately makes people think that it's going to be less comfortable, less compliant. And again, that's not true. So uh, stiffer springs, people immediately think, oh, I'm going to lose my plush compliant ride. Um, or stiffer damping, I'm going to lose you know, my the plush compliant ride. So um, a lot of this comes back to then the style of compression damping. Now, we can segregate compression and rebound. Rebound damping, when the wheel moves upwards and the spring is compressed, it's only ever going to act in one way. The spring is the only thing that's going to push that wheel back to its starting position. It's going to do the same job in the same way every time because it, it is a spring and it's defined. Okay. So that's a very simple thing to tune. Compression damping is where the magic happens because we're trying to tune a whole wide range and variety of uh, situations that that wheel's gonna encounter from very low speed events to very extremely high speed events and then multiple sh shapes and styles in between. So we're really quality suspension components do their job is in is on the compression damping side of the shock. That's interesting. So with rebound, basically you're you're doing the rebound damping from your specifications from your spring and your the the uh, mechanical advantage I guess of the suspension system itself. Yes, and it's much easier to tune cuz like I say we're dealing with one thing, a mechanical piece of metal, the your spring. When you compress it an inch, it's only going to go back home in one way at one velocity every time. If you compress it two inches, it's going home, you know, unless it encounters another event in between, which is typical. But, but if we just encountered, ran over a two by four in a parking lot, 
that wheel is going to move up and the spring is going to go, go home the same way every time. So tuning for that is easy. And that's taken into account the rider and the load. Rider, load, and, uh, you know, and again, whatever generic suspension system we want to talk about. You compress the spring, it's going home the same way every time. But we're not going to encounter the same, not even the same shape of the bump. You, you, you know, when you ride, get on your bike and ride to the grocery store, you're going to encounter a thousand different shapes of bumps. But when for compression, but on in every in, instance of those, every time you've encountered a bump and the wheel is returning home, the rebound is going to function exactly the same. Okay, that's interesting. So, do, does every new bike come with? I mean, we're looking at low and high speed compression for both compression and rebound. Basically, we could say four simple circuits. Like, I mean, I would say that. Does every motorcycle come with this? Uh, yes, is kind of the answer to that. Um, um, I guess I kind of need to qualify that. Most shock absorbers, rear shocks on motorcycles now are are sophisticated enough that they do have this. There is a, still a tremendous portion of the motorcycle industry that uses uh, damper rods in the forks. Um, they do generate low and high speed curves, but they are not independently tunable, especially in the way the shock is, because they literally don't have a uh, piston and a shim stack. They, they're just dealing with a tube with holes in it. So, I mean, a great deal of the motorcycle industry still uses damper rod forks. When you say curve, just, just so that we understand what that's talking about, you're, you're talking about putting it on a graph. Can you just explain that a little bit? Yeah, so on a graph. So you yeah, literally just draw an XY axis, and um, this can become pretty complex. But, <laughs> but generally, they, they do just draw out uh, a simple uh, line, which is an average of what's actually happening. What's actually happening is, is not a line on an actual shock dyno graph. So, but much the way you see a horsepower curve, um, you would see that as the compression damping curve. Um, if everybody's used, everybody's seen a dyno curve for an engine, what's different about shock absorbers is the XY axis extends below, and then you'll see another line that goes down and to the right, and that represents rebound damping. So, the top side is compression damping, the bottom side is rebound damping. And it will show the low and high speed damping in that curve, so you can see how you're tuning it. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, and so the the two the two axes are velocity and force. Okay, this is getting pretty complicated. Does this set um, suspension modification sort of out of the realm of the do-it-yourselfer at home? Does it mean that I mean, because how do we figure all this out? Uh, no, but. At this point in time, it's very easy to contact a company like Traction Dynamics or, you know, a couple of other ones that are on that are out there. And we can just tell you because we we know uh, what what do you weigh? What do you intend to do? Okay, here are the correct springs for you. Like we can you don't have to figure that out on your own. Uh, We can tell you. So that's a simple one is getting getting the right springs is simple. And that is the. That is the absolute root of any suspension system. And then past that, tuning the dampers on your bike, you have to start with the right springs or otherwise you're kind of wasting your time. Now, in general, there's no way for motorcycle manufacturers to supply you a motorcycle that you know, suits every rider from 130 to 300 pounds. It's just, it's just not possible. 
because that would mean different springs. You would need the, the higher the weight, the, the heavier spring you need. If they just have to put a spring in and set of springs on the bike that kind of works for, you know, the, the masses, if you will. And um, generally it's going to be aimed at lightweight riders. And, and then typically they're going for the squishiest, softest ride as a rule. But it's rare to find a production motorcycle that isn't undersprung and underdamped um, in general. But never mind if you're a 250-pound rider or you like to ride two up or you carry a lot of gear. I mean, we are talking about adventure bikes here, right? So, um, you know, we're talking about putting gear on bikes you know, and, and traveling in extreme environments. So starting with the right springs is, is just the most important uh, aspect. So someone would be able to call you up and say, look, I have, I have this bike, this is what I weigh, this is what my gear weighs. And you'd be able to tell them right off whether that stock spring is going to work or not, which likely by the yes. sounds of it, it's not because uh, the, the rider that's set up for is much lighter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, correct. Now when, it, when it comes to those stock setups that the manufacturers do, do you know what they use for parameters? No, but I, I can tell you pretty generally across the board, it's, it's always really soft, squishy and cushy. Um, recently, at least in the sport bike segment, um, in the past 10 years or so, they've started putting more effective, uh, springs and damping in, in the sport bike segment. And, uh, that's been an improvement for the typical person just riding down the road. But, uh, you know, I wish I could explain why they, why the motorcycle industry is just aimed that way. Uh, I mean, there's, been a running joke that it's you know Japanese bikes are made with 120 pound test riders and so they're they come back and say what feels comfortable and compliant to them but uh, then you come to the United States and we don't have 120 pound riders here so that's been a you know you would call it a joke for years but eventually you have to believe it's true I mean so you know the new Honda Goldwing came out for a new model in the first time in in uh 17 years there's a new honda goldwing and that thing is this soft and boingy it's practically got adventure bike suspension on it you know why would they do that you, you know you eventually you have to say the people testing it don't weigh 200 pounds we're going to take a quick break and be right back but stay with us because when we come back we're going to talk about setting up the damping on your bike I saw a post on Facebook that someone uh, had bought a, a handlebar riser set, got a great deal on them, and they failed. Now, here's the thing. Just because a part looks shiny, solid, even looks as though it's been machined to high tolerances or cast really well, it doesn't mean anything. What matters most is that you're buying from a, a solid company that's done their research, done their testing, and stands behind their product. A company like IMS Products. IMS manufactures products that have been designed properly from people in the industry that know what they're doing. They build them in the U.S. under strict quality control. They stand behind them with their warranty. And when you buy IMS foot pegs, you get all that. You get to stand on pegs that you can depend on. Now, you can imagine how that guy that got the screaming deal on the handlebar risers feels when he's face planted after they broke. Sure wouldn't be a deal then. Drop by the IMS website, www.imsproducts.com. Have a look at their full line of foot pegs for us adventure riders, from small ones to ride technical trails to large platforms for adventure riding. You choose what suits your style. 
And whenever you talk with them, make sure you drop our name. Tell them you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. That's www.imsproducts.com. Moto Bird Adventures specializes in trips for women by a woman. Now, hang on, you say, what about me? I'm a guy. Can I go with my wife or girlfriend? Well, as a matter of fact, you can. They say respectful gents are always more than welcome on any of our trips. Because Moto Bird Adventures isn't about leaving the guys out, but rather focused on helping make motorcycle trips awesome for the ladies. So, ladies... Check out what time you have off for 2019. Guys, do the same, but get your wife, girlfriend to sit down with you and have a look at the Motobird website. It's www.motobirdadventures.com. There's dual sport tours. They got pavement trips in Baja, Belize, and California. So get yourself booked soon because Carrie's trips book up fast. And don't forget, anytime you're emailing or talking with Carrie, let her know that you heard her here on Adventure Rider Radio. The website again www.motobirdadventures.com So, I mean, again, we're going to go on the assumption that the, the spring has been set up properly, that we, we yep. know that we've got our sag set properly, we have the correct spring yep. uh, load in there. What how, and how do we set up dampen the bikes? Oh, and I guess before we get into that is, uh, do all bikes have both compression and rebound adjustments for damping? No, they do not. And um, so the external adjusters definitely come at price points on bikes. So, you know, suspension is usually the last thing that gets made cool by manufacturers. So they're typically specking out, you know, a really cool engine Nowadays, with uh, specking some cool electronics, and then they've got to make it look good. And you know, somewhere way down the line, they go, "Oh, well, what is? How are we going to make it handle?" Kind of thing. And that's, uh, you know, usually a great place to cut cost is in suspension systems. So rarely are you going to find um, a motorcycle that has external compression or rebound damping adjustment on the forks. More common to find it on the shock absorber in the rear of the bike are not uncommon, um, but uh, on forks, kind of rare. Um, the bulk of the industry does not have that um, aspect. And mainly for the rear shock, it's rebound adjustment only, isn't it? Uh, same with the fork, if it's going to have it. Um, rebound will come first, external rebound damping adjustment. If, if you're going to get one of the two, it will be rebound adjustment. Um, after that, if they, you're going to get a higher spec component, then you'll, you'll have external compression damping adjustment. So why rebound adjustment when we already talked about the fact that the spring rate defines the rebound? And if that's easily tunable right out of the box sort of thing, why do we need to adjust it? Okay, so the primary reason for that is going to come from that varying rider weight and, and load on the bike. So if I were a 150-pound rider and I was just going to ride my bike around and with no particular gear or load on it, and I have the same model as bike as you, and you weigh 250, you ride with your 150-pound girlfriend, you fill your saddlebags up, and you have a trunk on the bike, given that we had the same model of bike, all of the additional weight that you've placed on the bike is going to cause the shock to move deeper into its stroke when it, you encounter a bump, okay? 
and therefore you're going to build more spring pressure and then you're going to require more rebound damping to control that return to neutral. So same bike uh, with the same shock absorber on it, same model of bike with the same shock absorber, depending on the, the weight that's being placed on it, um, will require more or less rebound damping. And so they give riders that, that primary um, tunability that if you were going to have one adjustment, that's the one you would want really what they should have done when you're talking about that rider with the passenger is change the spring. <laughs> sure. Uh, and, uh, that's part of the game is, uh, if you have the right spring, then you, you know, you won't have so much trouble, but, but again, uh, let's say even if we do have this heavier load, we're riding two up and we have a lot of gear on and we put a, a higher spring rate on it, a higher spring rate is going to again, push back harder. So again, you would want to add rebound to control that higher spring rate. So, um, it is the simplest and easiest to tune for people, but, uh, it's also the most abused adjuster in a suspension system on a motorcycle. So when people are unhappy with their suspension, the only thing they know how to do is crank down on rings and turn in the rebound adjuster. And, um, you know, we find road racers with their bikes all screwed up and then, you know, they just keep turning in the springs and turning in the rebound damping adjustment. So um, you want the wheel to return as quickly as possible to its neutral position without it overreacting, okay? So anything more than that, an excess of rebound damping, will cause the suspension system to, to pack down. So imagine if you had an extreme amount of rebound damping and you hit a bump, the wheel would go up and it, it wouldn't return to the ground quick enough. And in that case, it would actually hover in the air. You would break traction because you have too much rebound damping, and it would slowly return to the ground. Um, so that's not good either. Um, and if you hit a series of bumps, you can cause the wheel to progressively ratchet up into the bike and stay there. So you'll affect the chassis geometry while you're in a turn. Um, so too much is also bad. Um, and uh, so, you know, people are, uh, there's some psychology in people that is just, if a little's good, a more, more must be better. But in the, in the case of suspension adjustment, uh, that's not the case. So you know, the, the correct amount is the correct amount and anything on either side of that will result in a, a loss of performance in the, in the suspension system. Okay, so how do we set up um, the controls that we have anyway as far as damping on our motorcycle, which is really, I guess, for most of us, it's going to be the rebound on the rear shock. So um, what you're looking for is um, if you could actually, you know, have somebody balance the bike from the front. Uh, and if you come to the rear of the bike and maybe open the passenger peg or the rider's foot peg, you want to try and push the bike down, you know, really sharply as much as you can and you're going to watch how it returns so when uh, the bike as you compress it quickly then relax and get out of the way effectively you want to see the bike return quickly to its static position if the bike returns to its static position and oscillates that means you don't have enough rebound damping so you don't want to see the bike oscillate at all you mean like this sort of bounce up and down it's just like, bounce up like and a down pogo stick yep it should it should snap back up to its neutral position and stay there now if you push down on it 
and you can actually watch it rise back to the neutral position, that's going to be too much. That's the simplest analogy to explain that. If you watch it rise, um, you know, when you close your open your screen door and you watch your screen door slowly close back. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you're watching your bike return to the top to top out, that's too much. But if if you push down on it and it sits there and oscillates, not enough damping. So you're trying to find one quick return to neutral. And uh, that's that's a, that's going to be your baseline starting point. Okay, and I guess with all this, we should probably be marking down what we're doing so we don't mess things up too bad. I mean, we can always sure. go back. Yeah, and it's easy to be, um, you know, it's it's easy to there are adjusters, so um, you know, A B record them, and then you need to be honest with yourself. Um, a change might not be better, so if you're not certain you've made it better, so s- immediately most people think different is better, but uh, you know at a in a racing environment, we simply look at lap time and say, did you go faster or did you go slower? And that's the easiest way to gauge if a change has been effective or not. But uh, so we're not talking about racing here. We're talking about comfort and ride quality. And uh, so uh, make a change and see if it's better. You know, repeat the same section of road, you know, go someplace where you can be, you know, encounter the kind of bumps or things that you're looking for and repeat that sector of road. And, uh, and see if you find an improvement. Um, so again, I wanted to point out with adjusters, just so everybody's on the same page, you, you turn the adjuster all the way in, which is like seating it or putting it to its maximum level of damping available. And then you back the screw or knob out and count from there. So most of them have a detent or a click on them, but if it doesn't, you're just gonna count uh, uh, increments in rotation by you know, quarter turn, half turn, three quarter turn, that kind of thing, or one and a half turns, you'll, you'll say. So um, that's kind of the, the baseline start there for setting a rebound damping adjustment. What difference is it going to make to us on the road as we're riding along? How will we be able to tell that we've got the right adjustment as we're riding or on the trail for that matter? Um, so uh, one of the good ones is, uh, you know, if you sense that, like when you find a little G dip, a G out dip, you know, a, a dip where the bike compresses, um, a lack of rebound damping will, the bike will kick you out of the seat, right? And um, you've mentioned a pogo stick. So once you've hit a, a dip or a depression in the pavement, if the bike kind of continues to bounce, even though you've got, your, you know, you're down the road 10 or 20 more yards, um, you know, that's where you're going to want to add in, add in more damping. So... I think that should be pretty, kind of easy to see how that is. So if you're experiencing kind of a pogo effect, um, then you'll want to increase the rebound damping to control that oscillation in the chassis. Now, really, I, I guess if we're starting from scratch, we've got ourselves our bike, and um, we realize the fact that we're loading this bike up with our gear and we're riding with us or maybe with a, a pillion on, that's all going to affect the suspension negatively. Right from the start, we're going to have to look at changing spring rates what would you do with that? Because let me just give you this scenario. Let, let's say I like to ride my bike loaded, but I also like to ride it unloaded. So one time I've got my my, my bags on, etc. I'm heading off for the weekend. I'm going to do some stuff. And other times I just want to ride it around town. How do we handle that with the average bike suspension? Uh, so, yeah, so generally a reduction in weight is going to mean also a reduction in the amount of uh, rebound damping required to control that. Um it's probably not something that requires you to, every time you do something like that, 
um, get down and monkey with the with the damping adjusters, I would say, and it kind of works out accidentally that when people load their bike up, they're not going to ride it as aggressively as they would if they were uh, going for a spin around town. So it kind of works out to where the bike is a little more sporty without the weight on it and people don't mess with the damping adjusters. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, yeah. The, the Actually, the load is changing your riding style, which is, has an effect on your suspension, of course. Right. So so the bike's sportier, uh, firmer, and more, you know, has a firm, controlled feel to it when you have no weight on it. It gets a little softer and floatier when you're loaded up and you're going to go ride 500 miles for the day. Um, so most people are not uh, changing their damping settings to compensate for load every time they're going out effectively. I mean, if you were say, okay, now I'm going on a 500 mile ride or a thousand mile trip and I'm going away for the weekend and I, you know, I've got a tremendous load on the bike, that would be worth adjusting that. And when you come home and you take that extreme load off of the bike that you would not normally be riding with, put it back to your standard setting. Um, and that might be only a couple of clicks, you know, of additional rebound, you know, to compensate for the weight. It's, it's not going to be a wild change. Um, that would be a scenario where it would be worthwhile to, to change the setting. And of course, writing this down would make it so you don't have to redo it every time, you know, to some degree. If you're running with the same loads, two different loads, three different loads, you can just mark your settings down and change it. Quick setting, yeah, yeah, and you'll know. Hey, when I'm loaded, when I really load up, I'm going to add three clicks of rebound or a half a turn of rebound or whatever the number, how your style of shock works, and uh, yeah, then we return home, just uh, take it off, you know. So, in the real world, how much performance will the average person notice? And I have the feeling that's sort of a, a graded question, I guess, depending on someone's experience. And the second part of that would be how much actual performance change does it make with the motorcycle? Um, could it affect safety? Yes, no, no doubt about it. So uh, just in the same way, having, you know, sloppy, uncontrolled suspension, you know, can be dangerous. Um, over controlled, over damp suspension can be equally as dangerous. So. It's, you know, starting with loose, sloppy suspension, when you lean over into a turn, you'll get what's called uh, chatter. And uh, basically, the chatter is the wheel is bouncing on the ground because the damper, there's not enough damping force to control the wheel. That's, that's probably the most common one, and that's a rebound one. So uh, that will happen as your bike is loaded in a turn. And the way that that feels um, is if you were, when you have your hands on the handlebars, it'll feel like a basketball dribbling under the bike. So you don't really feel any shock in your hands or impact in your hands. That's just the wheel is bouncing uncontrolled under the bike. So, but when it's doing that, it's, you know, braking, grabbing, braking, grabbing traction, right? It's, uh, so it's a dangerous situation. You're close to crashing when that's going on. Um, the opposite can be true. So if your wheel doesn't soak bumps, so if your forks or shock have too much high-speed compression damping, which some bikes come that way, certain models of bikes are known not to soak bumps well, um, that will feel like you're holding a jackhammer. So that style of chatter is the, is the suspension actually not able to soak the bumps and so the wheel is being knocked into the air by the bump because the damper, the, the wheel can't respond fast enough to get up and over the bump. 
So um, those are kind of the sensations you're looking for. Uh, do, do I get, uh, you know, a jackhammer feeling in my spine or in my hand, or does it feel like I'm the, the wheels are just bouncing under the bike? Those are a couple symptoms to look for. If someone was to come to you with their motorcycle, are there times when you would say, yeah, you know, just leave the, the stock system and, and set it up properly, or is it always an improvement to swap out? Okay, so it is always an improvement to change the shock and fork cartridges. There, I, I mean, there's very few models of, of motorcycles sold that have really nicely functioning forks and shock on them that soak bumps that have the proper spring rates and yet have the level of low speed damping control that gives you a firm controlled feeling for the ride for of ride quality. I would have to look long and hard to find a motorcycle that meets those criteria. So, uh, you know, having said that it's free to try and optimize the range that's available on your bike. The problem is most bikes just don't have the range to get you where you need to go. And then adding in higher rate springs will sometimes exacerbate that lack of damping control. So uh, there's, again, most suspension shops are, will, have, will have some records or details or notes of this to, that would tell you, hey, you can get away with changing your springs and using your factory damping adjusters. Or sometimes they'll just say, look, it's not worth doing anything if you're not going to upgrade all of it. Because, you know, again, certain models of bikes changing, the, getting the shock out or, uh, uh, you know, Goldwing's a great example. It's very complicated to get the shock out of it. So some people want to take the shock out and just put a stiffer spring on a shock that already doesn't have enough damping to control the spring that came on the bike. You're just going to make it worse. You'll just have a more uncontrolled, firmer spring. And you've done paid a whole bunch of labor and all that to just to to halfway you know mess up a shock so certain models of bikes we'd, we would just be able to tell you um, that's it's not worth it to do that um, but then there there are some that are so say yeah you can just change your springs and then change your damping settings so it's not all off the shelf stuff you certainly don't want to go and just say oh i'm gonna buy a stiffer set of springs you really need to talk to somebody like yourself Tell them what the what your details are, and then find out exactly what you should have because you're probably going to make it worse, as you said. It's but you can definitely possibly make it worse. Now, I will say two two big two most important things are um, springs are absolutely the biggest bang for the buck improvement you could make to a motorcycle. Getting the springs that are suited to your weight in the world of cost and effectiveness, nothing is cheaper, and nothing makes a bigger improvement. So, you know, fork springs are 100 to $120, and a shock spring is 100 to $120. Um, those two things can make the single biggest improvement. Past that, just maintaining the suspension on your bike. Uh, so by the time you've got 25,000 miles and your fork oil is beat up and hammered and dirty, just rebuilding the forks and uh, changing the fork oil can be a night and day improvement. And sometimes, depending on the make and model of your bike, changing the viscosity of the oil in the fork will give you increased damping control. And that's, that's just pennies, you know, it's $10 for a bottle of fork oil and you can make your fork work better. But with a change like that, you've sort of got to talk to somebody again who knows gotta talk what to they're somebody. doing. Got to talk to somebody. Yeah. Right. Uh, you, you know, you can try and figure out what, you know, companies like mine have already figured out, but it, it, it's very painful when we could just help you. <laughs> 
Max, great to have you on again. Thank you very much. Okay. I, I hope I've been uh, I hope I've answered your questions effectively. You definitely got me in kind of deep in some stuff here. So yeah, I, I hope I've been able to help. That was Max McAllister from Traction Dynamics in Woodstock, Georgia. You can find out more about Traction Dynamics at their website, www.traction.com. And Traction is spelled, in this case, T-R-A-X-X-I-O-N. We'll have a link to that, of course, in the show notes, as well as some photographs of the suspension components we've been talking about. All that's available on our website. I just want to remind you this episode was made possible for you today in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at www.greenchiliadv.com, and Moto Breeze Chain Oilers, www.motobreeze.com. wraps up another episode of adventure rider radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it special thanks to our producer elizabeth martin and to you the listener thank you very much if you like what we're doing you want to hear more drop by our website www.adventureriderradio.com there's show notes there on every episode and there's loads of episodes of all kinds of things you may have heard me mention about the search bar that we have there on the website it's always been there it's on the right hand side just a little um just a little input field that you click onto and you type some keywords see what you turn up all kinds of uh, episodes there to listen to all kinds of great guests we've had on this show we'd love it if you consider supporting the show anything ten dollars or more will get you a sticker sent back at you for your motorcycle pannier your your garage door whatever you want to do with it anything fifty dollars or more gets you a mention on our raw show and we'd love it if you consider our monthly option with patron and become a regular supporter of the show Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. See you next week. Hi, I'm Sterling Noreen, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 